Hello and welcome to episode 24 of series 4 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Well, we're into the final stretch now with only four episodes left into 2023 before we move into our fifth season, which will start in 2024. So the remaining four episodes that we have left, including this one, in the next episode, we have an interview with Morris DeCoing. Morris is from DeCoing Human Capital, and he's going to be telling us all about the return on investment of psychological safety and psychological safety programs within our organisation. Then on the 5th of December, I have an interview with Casey Wall. Casey is going to be telling us all about how we can understand employee motivation and particularly intrinsic motivation more clearly. And a really interesting conversation there. Casey's based in Japan, in Tokyo, and uh, is an American. Though He's going to be telling us all about uh, his, his new tool that he's developed for measuring intrinsic employee motivation. And then finally, our final episode of 2023, which is going to be going out on the 19th of December, is an interview interview with Helen Neal from HN Communications and Helen is going to be telling us all about the importance of sustainability engagement. One of the things that uh, I'm sure you're finding in your own organisations is that employees are very motivated by wanting to know that their organisation is is behaving sustainably both from an environmental perspective and more broadly. So Helen is going to be telling us all about the work that she's been doing in that area and how we can improve sustainability communications and how we use sustainability as a way of engaging our employees so that's that's the the final three episodes and the fourth is obviously this one that you're going to be listening to today so i'll let you listen to this episode's interview In this episode, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at a new piece of research that's just come out. It's called the IC Index 2023. It's been produced by the Institute of Internal Communications and Ipsos Carrion Unbox. It's basically a piece of research that looks into employees and what they want from internal communications and the links between internal communications and employee engagement as well. It's a really interesting uh, piece of work, really interesting piece of research. So we're going to take a look into that. We're going to delve into the background to the uh, the reports, the actual research itself. We're going to look at some of the findings from it. And at the end of it also, we're going to give you some ideas as to how you can use the report. We'll give you a link to download it. It's in the show notes. And you can get a full copy of the report, you can get a summary of it, but also how you could use that in your own organisation to start a conversation about internal comms in your organisation and what you can do to make it better. And I think there's a lot of uh, evidence and data within it, which will be the foundations for some really interesting conversations. So I hope you enjoy this interview with our two guests. My guests today are Susanna Holton and Jen Sproul. Susanna is uh, the principal consultant at Ipsos Carrion and Box and specializing in internal communications. And Jen Sproul, who is a return guest on the show, is the CEO of the IOIC and she's been CEO there for eight years. So uh, good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon, Craig. Lovely to be here. Thanks, Jen. And good afternoon to you as well, Susanna. Yeah, hi. Nice, nice to be here. Thank you. And uh, I'll, I'll, are you? I know Jen. You're not, you normally in Milton Keynes. Are you in Milton Keynes today, or are you elsewhere? I am in. I am in the sunny town of Roundabouts. Sunny town of Roundabouts <laughs> and concrete cows. I think you're somewhere slightly more exotic in, into my mind. Anyway, Susanna, where, whereabouts am, are you? 
I am indeed. I am in Sweden. Um at my at my family's place um just been here for a wedding so um taking work with me which is very nice to be able to do that fantastic oh brilliant and uh yeah thank you so much for, for jo- joining um what we're going to be talking about today is the uh well uh, recently published ic index 2023 which has been published by the institute of internal communications and ipsos carrying and box and uh a fantastic piece of research and we'll we'll we're going to put some links in this and i'll mention these at the end of the of the interview where we're going to put some links in this for where you can download it but um who wants to start off jen or, or, or Susanna? just a little bit of background as, as to where the index came from the whole purpose behind it and and a little bit maybe about the kind of methodology of how you've created it who wants to start us off on that Shall I start with sort of the yeah. preamble, then I'll probably add to, a path to Susanna, who has much more detailed knowledge, particularly around methodology, than I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think, just to say from the IYC's perspective, um, and where this began, I mean, as you say, I've been here a number of years, and I think the topic of how do we demonstrate our strategic value as our profession has been one I've heard many, many times. Um, I think there's been many topics of conversation around how do we understand and benchmark and drive forward internal communication based on employee need. And so it was a very sort of long-held ambition, I think, for the Institute to be able to produce this sort of robust and detailed insight that helps us not only understand Mm. the strategic value of internal communication, but really give our membership, but also the community at large, some valuable, rich data to have really important conversations from. But obviously, doing that in a robust way, um, an credible way, was absolutely vital to us. Hence why when we approached um, Ipsos, Karen and Box, and they said yes um, to partnering on this and our areas of passion so uniquely aligned, it, it felt like we were in a good place. And uh, perhaps I'll pass over to Susanna now. Perhaps you can talk yeah. a little bit more about the methodology in the report and obviously why, why Ipsos, Karen and Box joined it. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, yeah, please. Absolutely. Well, I think for for us and for me specifically in my role, there was such a gap in this space. I'd never seen any research talking about what people broadly wanted out of internal communications from where they work. Um, There's loads of stuff around practitioners, what we do. There's loads of stuff around leaders, what they find important, but actually asking people out there, what's your internal comms experience like? How could it improve? What do you care about? How much time do you spend on it? So getting the opportunity to work on something like that was was absolutely brilliant um and i think the way we've gone about it obviously this is the first edition we wanted to go broad provide a really good baseline um have something to build on for years to come so we looked at uh, pulling together an expert uh group of people um senior internal comms practitioners uh, we ran an in-person workshop with them brought 10 people together in the room which was amazing really high energy um, and try to unpick what's on your mind at the moment as an internal communicator. If you mm. could ask everyone out there, how do they feel about the stuff you produce at work? What would you ask? So we used that as a basis for um, the question set. Um, so we produced a, a survey. We also used sort of, frankly, between um, the IK and B team and, and Jen and the IUIC team, so many questions that we know clients and members are are grappling with at the moment. So that was heavily heavily used to inform the question set as well. 
And then in terms of how how we went about getting the insight, um, we've done a panel survey. So it's a sample of 3,000 UK workers. We wanted to make sure that we could sort of deep dive into results and things to get a, a nice, strong sample in place there. Um, and I think it's really important to remember as well that we looked at large organisations. So that means places of work that employ over 500 people, um, just because we wanted to make sure that we surveyed people who worked for a place where there would be a comms team in place. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so so that was kind of, yeah, there's a logic behind that was that you're looking for organisations where there's a sort of differentiated comms mm. set up rather than just a, um, you know, kind of sort of, uh, not not that there's any problem with, with uh, someone doing it on their own or, or a single yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Excellent. So, so three thousand em- uh, employees, UK workers. Looks like you've got a pretty broad range of sectors as well. There, looking at a, a few of the, the the pages of data, a real broad cross section there. And was that a, a mixture of public and private sector as well? Indeed, yes. So yeah. we've got everything from sort of people in retail. Um, we've got finance, banking, insurance. Um, they're sort of the biggest sectors that that we got. But there's yeah, there's a, a real spread. Um, and we've already talked about next year, what can we do to even broaden the sample and do some sector cuts? So, um, Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's dive into some of the findings then. So, so again, as I say, I'm not going to we, we're not going to go through the whole report, and we, we're going to get people to hopefully download it and have a look for themselves. And it's very yeah. accessible, very easy to, uh, to 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 look at and 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 follow the data. It's very well presented. So maybe if we can just dive into broadly, what what was it that people said they did and didn't like? So so what were some of the themes that came out in terms of of, of preferences for not necessarily for the style of communication, but the kind of content of communication. What, what 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 were the findings there? And again, I don't know whether Jen or, or Susanna, if you want to lead on, on who wants to lead off on this one. Um, I mean, I can have a start if you like. Yeah. Um, I think that's so. The question, Craig, is you know what was it people want to hear in yes. terms of the topics? Yes. Thank you. People yes. want to hear, hear more yeah. about. <laughs> I think this was quite. Um, I, I think Susanna will add a lot more insight to this than I will. But I think this was there were some bits in this that, from my perspective, that weren't surprising. Mm. Some bits that were a little bit, oh, okay. Um, I think the thing that we we found from that in terms of what people want to hear more about from their employees is things you would expect, paying benefits. You know, we're in a cost of living crisis. Mm. So to think that that wouldn't be up there would be strange. Um, And of course, career and personal development opportunities. I think there is a big piece of work and opportunity, particularly as we move around EX for internal communicators to help on that side of things. And of course, strategy and direction but mm. what we found was then below that was some really sort of polarizing topics um of what people felt there was too much of or too little of and mm. actually their links to engagement i don't know Susanna, because obviously the data really didn't it? it looked at those topics and what they do mm. with engagement and i think that offers some interesting perspectives as to where we are right now i'll maybe i'll pass to you Susanna, to pick up on that that side of it thank you yeah absolutely and i think the interesting thing is, so there's there's always going to be things that we know we need to dial up on, um, as you've just alluded to. But these polarizing topics is where it gets really interesting. So mm. out of the data set, we had three big topics where there's a very even split between people saying, I received too much versus too little on this, this topic. Um, first, we've got the organization's purpose and mission really interesting that that's polarizing because i know so many internal comms practitioners who are really focused on this and it's such a big thing on the agenda for them and massive part of their internal comms strategy as well um 
Second one being diversity and inclusion. So again, very even splitting whether people say they hear too much or too little. I think that in itself warrants a really interesting discussion around to what extent do we need to talk about diversity and inclusion versus how does it become part of the broader employee experience and how much of, of it is actually the lived experience for people. So I think, again, plenty of interesting discussions to have there. Um, and then finally, around the values and culture. So another massive topic on the agenda for loads of internal communicators. And actually what we saw there, so 20% said I received too little on this, but like more. And we did see a high negative impact on engagement when people received too little information about that. So if you were to focus on one thing, that's why I would go for. Um, and then, as Jen said, there were some topics where it's very clear that we really need to dial up the comms. Um, 33% said that they received too little information about their organization strategy and direction. Um, and 38% said I need more on career and personal development opportunities. And those two topics also there's a correlation between hearing too little about them and having a lower engagement score. So we asked engagement to get, get an outcome measure in the survey. So yeah, there's, there's plenty to go after. Um, definitely. Yeah, they're fascinating. And I, I looked at those and I thought they were really interesting because again, it, it, like you say, I'm obviously by the nature, they're polarizing topics, but yeah. it's almost like, I, I don't know from my experiences, it's like, um, I, I, we, you know, I do want to talk to, about my organization's purpose mm. and mission if I can understand how that helps me to understand how I fit in and how I can add value. But I don't want you to just sort of tell me chapter and verse, you, you know, mm. kind of reciting the, you know, the corporate mantra about what they are mm. without actually relating it. And, and, I, and, I, and I kind of I pick that up, you know, when we're talking to clients is that, is that I think people are tired of the sort of, you know, the standard corporate spiel, mm. but they actually want to, to kind of get that engagement. So it'd be really interesting interesting and i think that's a really good i know we're going to talk about at the end about how organizations can use this research and, and, and information um but to have that conversation with their people as to well how do you you know is it that it's just not important or is it just the way that yeah. we're actually serving it to you that's the problem um with topics like this and i think as well like Susanna said and i think with these topics it's that bit between when we're thinking about it as an informational piece versus a lived experience. Mm. And I think that those are the things that we need to take into consideration. And I think that it also reflects the current times that we live in. Yeah, We only have to look at our external environment to see how more polarized we've become as a society on mm. some of these topics. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we, you know, we're on the backdrop of cost of living a lack of security where am i going poor labor market changing mm. jobs so i think that you can put that into the anecdotally i say that right now but i think it, it what interests me or sometimes is i think it's manifestation of where we are and it's how do we how do we move forward on those issues mm, definitely absolutely and yeah. i think frankly what i've seen it's starting to come back up now but when we run research on on things not just internal comms but engagement more broadly there was such a clear dip about this time last year, engagement scores just started dipping. So they increased in the pandemic because people felt closer to the leadership. There was more personal communication. There was more investment in, in that sort of space. And then there was this big sort of uncertainty. I mean, in particular in the UK around, am I going back to an office? What's going to happen next? And then we got hit with cost of living crisis. We got hit with inflation. People are just a bit tired, and I think that's reflected in the scores, which people who are saying, I hear way too much about purpose and mission. I don't care. I want to get the job done. So, yeah, there's 
a lot of scope, I think, here to open up and do some research within your own organization to see actually how are people feeling. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. I'd like to, I'm, I'm jumping around the, the, the structure of your report a little bit here, but I'd like to kind of dial back to something that's earlier in the report, which is this idea of driving advocacy through internal communications. I think there's a strong link about what we've just been talking about there. And one of the things you've got in the report is that the UK re- re- workers recommend their organization as a great place to work. Um, if they are having two-way communications, think communications is open and honest and believe that the strategy is the right one. Mm. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that and and how and how that that link came out? Obviously, you you you've explained at the beginning about how the the methodology of how you kind of identified yeah. the questions, and I think this is a really important area. Don't get me wrong; I'm not, I'm not challenging that. I'd just be interested to know uh, how you arrived at that, but also some what some of the data was telling you on that that uh, on that yeah. topic as well. Absolutely. Should I jump in, Jen? Um, yes, please do. This is your area of expertise, Susanna. <laughs> well, it, it's my analyst team who's done a brilliant piece of work <laughs> on this, to be honest. Um, the way we got to this conclusion was through uh, regression analysis, so finding out the key drivers for a key outcome. And we said, look, what's the optimum outcome? What would we want internal communicators to help achieve from a business point of view? And actually saying that where I work is a great place to work. Ideally, if we're doing our jobs right in internal comms, that's the outcome we should get to. So what the team did was that they took the whole question data set that we had available and they ran this thing called regression analysis, which they know precisely how to do. I cannot dwell on the detail because (laughs) what they do with Excel is amazing and um, I can't appreciate that enough. Um, And what came out was three really strong drivers. So the ones you just mentioned, having two-way conversations make people more likely to say, where I work is great. Feeling like comms is open and honest, another key driver of making sure that, you know, I would recommend this as a place to work. And then believing that we're headed in the right direction so the business strategy is the right one. Hmm. And then we did some driver analysis on the drivers just to see actually what makes people feel like they're having two-way conversations. And trust is the biggest one on that. So if they trust their CEO um, and the senior and department leads, they're like more likely to feel like they're having two-way conversations. Um, in terms of comms being open and honest, um, there's something in there about connection. Um, so actually feeling connected with the organisation and the values. Um, and then for believing the strategy is, is the right one, there's listening. So actually making sure that organisation shows how employee feedback is being used. And also clarity, so making sure that the comms about the business priorities are really, really clear. Um, so that's sort of how it all fits together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very good. And and is that is that something as well that 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 I that, that you know that linkage there because IOIC Jen in terms of that mm-hmm. whole like, employee advocacy piece because um, I I interviewed someone recently um, on my show and, and we were talking mm-hmm. about this and and it is it is something that's cropped up over the years I've been doing the podcast of this idea of uh you know employee employee advocates uh and how also employees have a voice outside of their organization as well that that obviously often drives you know that sense of is it a good place to work and that 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 kind of brand for the for, as an employee brand as well uh, is that linking to stuff that ioac are looking at at the moment or uh, have been looking at yeah absolutely and and I, and I think it comes back to as well what i was saying at the very beginning in terms of you know 
how do we demonstrate the strategic value and what does that the ROI of good internal communication to organizations? So this is just one of many, but it's a piece of really good regression analysis, as Jen has explained, which really pulls that together. And I think that where we on with this, and I'm going back to my point again earlier about what is the top of the mind of a leader right now, depending on where they are? It could be employee retention, all those things, productivity, what their brand reputation says. And we've always at IOIC talked about, you know, and, and to quote, for example, Rachel Miller, who talks about what happens inside is reflected outside. Mm. And actually we're in the business of reputation management. And then reputation management can then impact advocacy from an employee potential, how we talk about our brands, what that looks like. It could influence how we actually recruit and retain. And I think it's fair to say as we, we look at that and I, this sort of employee experience landscape and what's going on there, we've covered a lot around the evolution of EBP and how internal comms is becoming much more involved on that aspect of things because it needs that, that the skill set that we have. Um, so I think that this is absolutely a driver of where we're doing a lot more work and right. actually where organizations have a lot more concern. Mm. And um and with the savvy nature that we all have as consumers, employees, customers, or just everyday human beings, we are greatly influenced by a number of things. But we're never more influenced to believe by those that are our trusted friends, yeah, or or those down the road, or your neighbour, or those that have the lived experience. Those are the most trusted sources of is that brand good or not? Yeah, do I want to buy it or not, or do I want to work for it or not? Yeah, um, so it's you have to live it to portray it to then see it in action, um, and that's where internal communication has so much power to drive those kinds of outcomes for organisations. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want to move on to another point now, which is a area that fascinated me. And I love these definitions that the the four main groups that you identified. I'm not sure whether these are kind of industry <laughs> recognized uh, or whether you've come up with them, but I love the idea. Well, you know, I don't love the idea, but I love the definitions of the unconvinced cynics, the confused yeah. followers, the miserable moaners and the informed cheerleaders. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about where they, they came from and also what that data told us about the proportions of those that we're finding in, in, in through your study? Susanna, shall I throw to this view on this one as well? <laughs> yeah. So again, a brilliant piece of, of work by, by our analyst team. So what they've done is they've gone through segmentation analysis, cluster analysis to sort of form these clusters in the data based on patterns in responses to the survey. So it's all led led by data, but it's grounded in sentiment. So actually understanding how do people feel out there. Um, whenever we do this, you typically do get a proportion who are super positive. Um, here we've called them informed cheerleaders. So it's people who love where they work, they're motivated, they're proud of the organization. They feel like comms are informative, clear, trustworthy. Um, and they really value that sort of interactive face-to-face -face communication. Um, and that's actually 44% of, of the UK workforce in this sample that we've looked at. So that's that's a really positive um, thing, I think. On the flip side, we've got the miserable moaners, which is just over a quarter of people. And it's the people who, uh, it's kind of it's kind of too late to win them over because they don't like where they work. They wouldn't recommend it and they don't really trust anyone within the business. Um they don't think communications are, are great. They feel like it's boring. They feel like uh, it's very impersonal. Um, and it's the people who are probably going to leave your business soon. So 
there will be some of these people in any given workplace anywhere in the UK at, at any moment. And I think as, as an internal communicator, it's not really who you want to sort of focus on because they kind of made their mind up. Um, but then we have two groups that are more interesting from a sort of targeting point of view. And if you're trying to sort of look at how do I win people over? How do we increase the scores? How do we make people feel more likely to, to recommend this as a great place to work? And it's the unconvinced cynics, um, that's 14% of people, is people who feel like communication is good. My organisation does a good job of it. I'll read emails, I'll read newsletters, I'll have a look at the internet. But they don't trust the senior leadership team or the CEO. So the challenge there is actually saying, how can we build that relationship out and make this group trust trust the leaders of the business? Um, and 17% of people are what we call confused followers, which I think is probably my favorite graphic in the report. And they feel like comps are fine, but they don't have that context or explanation around change. Again, mm-hmm. such a common challenge, and especially things are changing quicker than ever. Um, so I can really see where that's coming from. Um, as part of this, they also don't really feel valued at work and they don't really know what development opportunities next steps they have um they're typically very loyal to the managers but they recognize that they do need more support to be able to talk about all of these things and changes that are going on um so yeah I yeah think anyone can recognize any of those groups yeah. in their own workplace yeah we could probably <laughs> names to them as well uh, <laughs> but, no, but no it's fascinating and i think you know i was just an observation mm. from me is that you know on the miserable moaners i'll probably mm. leave soon i think a lot of organizations which where they stay they're staying they're, those mm. people are staying and they're kind of you know sabotaging and undermining and, mm. and, and i think that's where a lot of organizations mm. do sometimes have problems isn't it yeah. And the other thing I would say is obviously, you know, these are names and, and all the things that we put together. And, and I think, yeah. as we've said, it's worthwhile trying to understand those those groups and if they work and who they are in your own organization. Mm. And there might be other other ways that you want to go about it. But yes, yeah. they are there. So then your challenge, and, and that's something we're picking up, I think, in the, as a feature as well in the next issue of Voice Magazine around what are you doing with your, uh, and we called it quite a lot, Suzanne and I, we talked about it, your swing voters, mm. which yeah. is your unconvinced cynics and your confused followers. So how can we address those things so that the the good, if you like, outweighs the bad? Yeah. And then how can you use your informed cheerleaders to be better internal advocates to help balance out? Because you're always going to have a miserable moaner portion of your workforce. Yeah. 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 You know, there is no such thing as 100%, you know, informed cheerleaders. I mean, no. but, I, but I think as well, it gives you a benchmark. Yeah. as well to work with if you yeah. know a quarter of the uk work with your if we can go that from say a quarter to you know to say say we can go from reduce that by five percent by working on our swing voters or using our informed cheerleaders there's ways to think about that and the ways to do that and, and i think that that's a real opportunity and and the report highlights some simple things if you yeah. like yeah. to really focus in on to make that change yeah yeah, it's it's the rising tide raises all ships, isn't it? And I think mm. that and they're taking a, an appreciative approach to how do we how do we you know use our informed cheerleaders or the people who have good intentions but just a bit confused or maybe things have happened in the past that have led led to a bit of cynicism uh and and you know i, I think that's where i think people get overwhelmed is the thought of you know gosh 26 percent i've got to try and change them well you know start at the margins and make some marginal gains and improvements and then that they'll they'll either feel 
I've got to raise my game now and stop moaning or I, or I'm, you know, this isn't the place for me and I, and I will leave <laughs> rather than, uh, than just, just be behaving like I've already left. So yeah. Yeah. I don't think for any moment we're saying you're going to make your miserable <laughs> moaners, your informed cheerleaders. I think there is no, a level of, yeah. of acceptance Didn't needed. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. yeah. Okay. I want to move on to, to another area just like to spend a little bit more time on, which is this, the, the, it's the sort of the next page in the report, which is this, uh, you've called it the slight strategy paradox. Uh, I, I, I don't think you could take away the slight because I think it's a, it is a massive paradox, which is this idea that, to paraphrase, if I've understood it correctly, is that um, a lot of people in organizations who's, who are kind of bought into the stra organizational strategy, but actually don't really understand what it is. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and this, this resonates with me and, and some of the conversations I've had more recently than, than I'd like to have done. But <laughs> so, and, and what you found here is that particularly at a senior level, you've got, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, 80% of people who say they, you know, they're kind of they're bought into the strategy, but actually 66, only 66% who actually understand it. So there's a 14% gap. Is, is that the right understanding of that of that paradox? And, and, and I'd like to dig into that a little bit more detail. So Suzanne, Suzanne, do you want to dive, dive into that? Yeah, I think there's something about how the question is worded. So first of all, completely right that when we look at it overall, hmm. people are more likely to say, yeah, I believe we've got the right strategy for success. Then they are likely to say, I think my employer has been clear on what the strategy and business priorities actually are. Hmm. Um, and if we, we sort of stay on, on the phrasing of that final question, my employer has been clear on the organization strategy and business priorities that's where senior leaders are quite negative compared to their understanding. And mm. I think what they're telling us is, I know what the strategy is because I'm really clear. Um, I work with it every day. I'm really close to it. But I don't think we as an organization okay. mm. are clear enough on the strategy and business priorities. So um, that is quite a strong call to action for internal communicators out there, I think. I think that's another really interesting data point here, which is that Line managers, the people who lead a team, 57% of them say that comms has been clear on the strategy and business priorities versus 54% of people who work in a team and aren't a team leader. So mm. if we're ex expecting line managers to do this job of communicating the strategy, explaining what it is, and they don't feel like there's clarity on what the strategy actually consists of, mm. how can they then lead those conversations mm, so mm. that is a really interesting action point for me it is mm. yeah and i, I think I, I i mean again you know i i i've kind of maybe paraphrased it in you know i think you thank you for clarifying the understanding of that susan but I, I mean i i from my experience as well though uh, it's not uncommon if you go into an organization and you speak to six different senior managers or all say, you know, that round the table, they'll all nod and say, yeah, we all, we've all got a common definition. And then you speak to them individually and they'll all give yeah. you slightly different versions of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but not, not just sort of, you know, okay, kind of within, within margins, that's fine. Sometimes scarily different mm. uh, to the point that actually, well, if you can't get your story straight, how on earth do you expect the people who work below you and, you know, in, in, within the organization to have that story, straight in their own mind as well and i think it, it is a, it is a challenge and i think you've highlighted a, 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 a really important area there i mean jen what's your thoughts on this yeah absolutely and thank you for i think that you could take this into a broader challenge or issue that we have in organizations around now around the issue of alignment mm -hmm. we are fundamentally well yes fundamentally misaligned and what do i mean by that 
is that we perpetuate, I think, um, a silo working mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, you know, here's the marketing function, here's the finance function, here's the ops function, here's that, and and actually, we've got the same top piece, perhaps objective, but how we're interpreting it within those areas is is, is different. It's varied, and we're not checking in and aligning with each other. Then, how we're aligning that down in our organisation, mm. it is a bit of sort of mass Chinese whispers, if you almost think about it. Mm. Is that you know the get point up here, and then how we cascade that down is a real, real issue. And I think to me, this also highlights that alignment and perhaps the way we're working or the way we're structuring ourselves as organizations in the mm. way we we think about the organogram kind of almost drives that that issue and actually I would be thinking as well around how are we ensuring communication across those functions mm. not just downwards so definitely. it's this multi-directional flow of information yeah definitely uh, uh, and I think that and that's a topic bit like what you're saying, Craig, that I've heard much, much discussion of. We picked it up at the IOIC as well, is that it's just, you know, uh, and as all, and the bigger the organizations get, which the survey yeah. index shows as well, the, the bigger that issue gets. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think there's a, there's, a, there's a fundamental challenge within organizations about their definition of what strategy is because... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, 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 Their own I, purpose or mission or vision well, or values, yeah. and, you know, it all gets really confused. Yeah, and it varies from what I'd call, you know, pro- proper strategy as in, you know, mm-hmm. we've got... You know, we've got a goal, a handful of goals, and we've got a pattern of behaviors and actions and pro- things that are directing us towards those overall overarching goals versus just a big long list of tactics, which yeah. have no kind of coherence at all. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's it's interesting in the last episode, and if anyone's listening to this and hadn't hadn't heard the last episode, the episode before before this one, I was talking to Richard Nugent, who's just written a book called The Alignment Advantage, and he found he he talks about there that there's a misalignment not only between internally the strategy itself is sometimes misaligned, but also there's a misalignment often with the culture of the organization as well. Absolutely. Um, and would you get internal competition, don't you? Exactly. That creates even more issues, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. But then we have a, we, we have a strategy. Ownership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a strategy to achieve X, but actually our culture is not, geared up to that or we're not having we're not addressing some of our fundamental cultural issues around our behaviors our mindset um that are going to enable us or 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 block us from getting there sorry jen yeah Mm. yeah i'll say as well it's this issue of knowledge exchange and knowledge transfer Mm. and knowledge being powerful Mm. and how we have in some i can't speak for everyone this is a very anecdotal thing to say Mm. but we've bred that notion that retaining knowledge or retaining tasks and having a bigger thing keeps us that level of security and that level of power that we're mm. looking for mm. rather than sort of promoting the value of knowledge of knowledge transfer which is actually if we're all more informed or we're all collaborating better it doesn't jeopardize or threaten one or the other mm. um because a lot of things come from fear we're a very emotional human being and mm. that's why going back to what we we're talking about earlier as i was understanding those behavioral pieces yeah. of the organization and those behavioral mindsets and segmenting with that view in mind can be a really helpful place to, to start i Absolutely. think as well 
Um, and there is just, you know, it's the command and control. Some of those old cultures were trying to move over, mm. um, but it takes time and it takes collaborative effort mm. um, and it takes multidirectional communication. And, and as one my old manager once said to me is if we can't all put what, a strategy on a single side of paper and understand it, that's get strategy on one page and sing from that. Yeah. Um, it's then when we start to add that detail to it and then we create that scrum, I think, effect. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it just then breathes down this misalignment and mis and confusion. Yeah, yeah. Just a footnote on on that on that conversation on the next page is that is that is that one in four UK workers neither understand nor believe mm. their employer's strategy, which I kind of like kind of aligns what we've been talking about. But I guess that yeah. if anyone needs a sense of urgency, and uh, and I remember this takes me back to my early days in you know in organisational development and comms and Kaplan and Norton's book the balance scorecard which had a very similar statistic and that was in the mid 90s around yeah. you know how I can't many remember people... the same one right? yeah yeah exactly who you know and, and I think that for us that is just a highlights I think the perennial challenge that we've always got is is that the sort of uh, you know the the inertia or the momentum of the vacuum of not knowing what's going on and, and not understanding it is something we should always be consciously working on never assume anything I guess anything to add yeah. to that that data that there there on that that Susanna about the um that that you know the the 25 percent of people who are passengers and um yeah. yeah I think um I think it's interesting to look at so we've done some some breakouts in terms of where in what groups do we see more of the passengers? Hmm. Um, it's absolutely highest in the transportation and distribution sector. So there we see around 44% of people, if you recut the data just by that sector, hmm. are actually passengers. Um, as Jen sort of mentioned previously, it's way more common in the bigger organisations. So where you've got 10,000 employees or more, it's way more likely that people feel like, I don't understand it and mm. I don't believe it's the right, we're headed in the right direction. Mm. Um, in healthcare and the medical sector as well, it's it's a bit more prominent um, that you've mm. got a larger proportion of, of passengers than the UK average. Mm. I would say though that the good news is that we've got 12% bystanders and those are people who sort of understand the strategy but they don't believe it's the right one. So yeah. if we go back to the sort of swing voters, will have a fairly easy time to convert those people yeah. into ambassadors who sort of believe in it as well. Yeah, healthy um, skeptics, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mm, exactly. Mm. Okay, just just to, just to kind of bring things to, to, to we'll talk about the, the the end, about the conclusions and the, the five points that you've made. Just just, just before we, we kind of close out, though, just to, there's a lot of information about uh, the importance of, of our direct managers, you know, as being a key source of information, but also the, the linkage between visibility of our kind of uh, the key senior leaders and engagement. Uh, I know that's a lot to, to summarize, but we'll just, do you want to just highlight some of the key findings and conclusions from, from that, that part of the, uh, the, the, the research? Yeah, sure. Hmm. I'll, I'll jump in, Jen, and you can, yeah, you can please, do, Susanna, please do, Susanna. Please do. Susanna. So I think, First off, if we think about the CEO, one of the things we wanted to look at is how important is CEO visibility? Because it's been very high on the agenda for the past couple of years. We've seen CEOs do more comms, more personal comms and sort of taking more of a, a prominent space in, in the mix. Um, what we did find was that you do need more visibility of the CEO. So 
as soon as you start sort of seeing the CEO, seeing or hearing from the CEO around weekly or every few weeks, you've got way higher engagement compared to those who sort of hear from them quarterly for every mm. few months. So that frequency is really important. But then it's the distinction between sort of how do we want to hear from the CEO versus other senior leaders? Mm. So from the CEO, yeah, you probably want to make sure they're visible at least once a week, but actually an email is fine. So that's all it kind of needs mm. to be is what this data is indicating. When we then think about the other sort of senior managers or departmental leaders, face-to-face interactions become way more important. Mm. So there's no need to push the CEO out there, but think about that senior leadership population and how you can get them out talking to people face-to-face, have that emotional impact um, and maybe use the opportunity to talk about the strategy. Um, mm. uh, did you distinguish between when you say face-to-face as mm. in like, you know, three-dimensional or two-dimensional yeah. as in through screens or is it literally, you know? Literally in yeah. person. Great, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, So if it's a yeah. briefing, if it's a town hall, if it's a roadshow event, that kind of thing um, and making sure that's actually, yeah, physically together. And that's really interesting, isn't it? You know, in the kind of the kind of post-pandemic world that we're in, and and how many people, you know, and I think again, it's just another, not a paradox, but it's another challenge. I think we've got, and you, you know, you're hearing and listening to people who are working, you know, two, three days in the office, and and how managers are, how get, make make sure they've got that visibility, and mm-hmm. and when we can get everybody together. And I know, no, there's no quick answer to that, but it's it's it is it's quite an interesting. Um, uh, challenge I think and, and and one we didn't have maybe five years ago or four years ago yeah. however long it was um but yeah yeah any anything from you Jen on that any thoughts from you on yeah, that it is a it is a continuous challenge and you know I always see you know it's you know within a membership community it's hard mm. it's really hard to, to achieve that that right balance or knowing what that right balance is um I think as well, what it, what I would say as well is that we've had a lot of trial and error and that's good. Do trial and error, you know, mm. to work out what the mix and the blend looks like, but also understanding your audience is really key to that, how their working day is, how they operate, who they are. But it's also as well this this question of what's in it for me. And, mm. it's, and I think also as well, it takes consistency it's been a lot of chopping and changing Mm. Mm. and i think you we have to find our way and almost try and stick with that consistently and demonstrate what it means what the benefits are taking part but also using your line managers and your informed cheerleaders to help really talk people into this is worth your while or and if people genuinely can't because of personal issues or they're working or they're they're a field based there are ways to to make them feel part of it Mm. but i think that it is a challenge and one we should have trial and error but also one i think we need to have consistency and a bit of stealth like influence on Mm. it's it's really playing into that uh that whole role of of internal communications being you know kind of change champions catalysts Mm. uh and and being role modeling is really important yeah and that and that whole you know kind of uh, often working with you know not all the resources they'd like but having to work through influence and 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 relationships and 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 using you, you know other people's executive power and resources to get you know to make sure that we're getting getting what we need as an organization it's that whole influence piece isn't it so it is yeah yeah and, and okay I, i'm just going to kind of bring things to a conclusion just really with the kind of the, the five main 
recommendations. So what should we do? Um, Susanna, would you want to kind of just quickly whiz us through those five recommendations? As I say, we'll we'll, we'll put a link into the show notes. So if anyone wants to download this, they can go through in more detail. Yeah, and there is plenty more in the report, uh, but I'll cover the the five big ones. And I think Mm. the first one really is demonstrate impact. So Mm. source and provide the evidence, like Jen just said, like trial and error. It's it's about being humble. It's about showing what's not working because then you've tested it, you've tried it, and you can Mm. educate and take leaders on that journey with you. So it's that sort of trusted advisor space led by data, um, such a big impact. Um, Second one is being clear on who you're talking to so we've talked quite a lot about the different segments in the uk workforce today look at which audiences are critical to your agenda or what you're trying to do Mm. and look at how you can segment target tailor based on the data you've got available about your organization um thirdly i think it's around focus on context uh, for change direction where you're Mm. headed so actually talk about not just where are we going but also why are we going there how are we going to get there and how do we keep that really real and honest and upfront and keeping it short and fresh is number four so we've talked about this loads but one of the key findings in the report is um, people spend typically 15 minutes or less on internal comms every day so Content should be snacks, not three-course meals, because Mm. typically people dip in and out of comms between meetings or during meetings. So make sure that it's short and snappy and do something about the language as well. Talk to people in their language and tell it as it is. Mm. And then finally, depending on what you need to do, look at different channels. So functional channels like the intranet or a newsletter, perfectly fine for functional information. But if you have something where you want people to believe in it, uh, you need people to trust the message, you need people to engage with it, that human-to-human contact is, is always going to be the winner. And the the report really reinforces that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that, that, that's fantastic and, and well done on a, on a fantastic piece of research. And, and again, not, not just the research, but the way you've presented it as well, I think is, is really clear and it tells a very powerful story. Um, so we were going to just mention where we, I'll put a link into, to, um, for people who've wanted to download the reports, a PDF. So is it the, 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 I've got the, the presentation copy, which is, I think the slides that you used on the webinar. Yeah. Uh, is there, is that, is, is there any other, any other form that the reports in, or is that the, the summary? No, the full PDF report is downloadable, Craig. So if people yeah. just go to um, our website, ioic.org.uk, Fantastic. you'll see on the landing page of our website and you can download how many pages it's Susanna? It's <laughs> quite a few, isn't it? <laughs> We, we were like, oh, we'll do a short report, we can get it printed, um, and then we could not stop. So here yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, no, that that's great. So again, I guess practicing what you preach, which is, you know, giving people the chance to uh, do the deep dive if they want to, yeah, but also snack, snack if they want to as well. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. And and I know you just mentioned at the beginning before we started recording a few use cases of, of how people, because mm-hmm. it's all very all well and good having the data and, and it's all, you know, very, very interesting, but you mentioned as well that the, there's ways that people can use it jen or, or susan how, how are people using it how would you like people to use this information 
I mean, I can start from what I've seen, and I think, Susanna, mm. you can probably pick up on some of the other bits and pieces, but for, for, for what I've seen is that to start with is to use it to have an internal conversation mm. about where are you, where what does this sit with your experience, what does this look like, should you seek to understand that internally? Mm. The examples I've had from some really senior internal communicators who've just emailed me personally and just sort of give me examples of what they've done in their organizations. Mm. I also did a Chatham House um uh, session with members as well where they've literally taken the elements of the report and sort of put a column against that and said we're good here we don't know this here we could action that let's go alongside that of it just to spark a conversation mm. I think obviously Susanna there's much more they could do to get that insight isn't there mm. oh absolutely and I think even looking at what can you do for yourself in the research base when was the last time you did a full internal communications audit um, looking at what data you've got available, uh, thinking about launching something new where you could include some of the questions with use. They're all outlined in the report. So you could pinch a few of them, uh, run your own survey and literally see mm. how you compare mm. um, like for like. I think segmentation is something that I would love to talk to anyone about all day, every day. Mm. So if you're interested in that, hit, hit me up. Mm. I'd love, love to have a chat. Brilliant. Well, on that note as well, I'll, I'll put a link into both of your LinkedIn profiles just in case anyone um, wants to reach out and and, and contact you directly. Um, but um, all that remains is to me to say thank you very much. Uh, that was really enlightening. Fa again, fantastic piece of work. Thank you take, for taking the time to to talk talk to uh, me and our listeners a little bit more about it. And um, look forward to seeing uh, next year's report and seeing if anything's shifted and uh, mm. what what other things people are. Are, are looking for and help help with and uh, re really really great piece of work so thank you very much thank you very much for your time and thank you very much for the for the research and the hard work you've put into it thank well, you thanks, Craig. For, thanks having for having us. us thank you we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the engaging internal comms podcast if you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com if you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform please do so and if you could leave a review for us that would be absolutely fantastic we have links to other episodes at engagingic.com all of our previous episodes are available there and if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.